Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the FinTV podcast. Today, we're joined by Pavel Yonci. I tried it, but I couldn't get the last name correctly, but who is the Global Supply Chain Director for Procter & Gamble. Uh, Pavel, thank you so much for being on here. Why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey so far? So thank you for hosting me. Uh, I'm, really, I'm really glad to be here. I was joining a number of events and we met probably Couple, couple of times face to face, which was really great. Uh, I really appreciate what Future Insight is doing. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Despite we had to reschedule this few times, but finally it worked. So yeah. Well, it, this is our new normal, isn't it? It's our, it's our new normal. <laughs> that's correct, that's correct. So a uh, few words about myself. I am over 20 years uh, with Procter & Gamble and uh, I was mostly spending time in the area of logistics being the any, any type of planning you could imagine being production scheduling, being initiative planning, the downstream, upstream, uh, doing any material management, supplier engagement, uh, and of course the physical distribution, uh, so warehousing. Uh, um, so I, I think, you know, any logistics types you could imagine I was doing, maybe with the exception of direct manufacturing, but uh, I was working in three different factories in three different categories in PNG. So uh, there is quite some time. I, I owe a lot uh, to PNG, and I really appreciate every day spending in this company. So uh, yeah. So about my private life, I am the I, I have the family of four plus cats. So let's call it five. So I have son and daughter. They, my son is 25, and my daughter is 19 or almost 19. Uh, so they are not the kids anymore, but uh, they are still with me. So my son came back from London just a year ago. Uh, he lived there for a few years. So, uh, yeah, and uh, what I can also say, you know, I'm really uh, freak about demand sensing. I, I love this topic. I, uh, that's why I was joining Future Insight and some other also conferences. And I read a lot of books about this. So, and uh, I'm really, and right now also I'm engaged in the digitization work of, of PNG, uh, particularly in the supplier node, but, uh, you know, we also look uh, rather end to end and, in the notes uh, itself. So yeah, that's probably all about me in the nutshell. Well, you know, Pavel, you're right. We, we did, you know, back in the day when you could meet face to face, you know, it seems like a long time ago, but we met at one of our uh, events. And uh, what was interesting is even then we were still talking about digital transformation. I guess we were beginning to talk about digital transformation, digitization, et cetera. Uh, it's been a few years since then. What do you think you've learned in those few years in terms of why digital transformation projects succeed or fail? Uh, I think that, uh, and we had this discussion also face to face, and I, I was, uh, I was, uh, I really enjoyed these meetings. That's why I was really trying to be uh, very active and very vocal over there. So, and I really appreciate all the interactions. I think that everything starts and ends with the strategy. I think that uh, whenever digital transportation, uh, transformation is becoming successful or not, uh, it must be really in the, in the strategy of the organization. And we don't talk about supply chain strategy, 
uh, we don't talk about the like the uh, logistics strategy. We talk about the company strategy because the digital transformation. And I, I really like the the definition of digital transformation coming from the book that I really very, very, like very much, which is Digital Transformation by Thomas Zibel. And uh, he's saying that uh, digital transformation is about the just the using the digital technologies and advanced analytics uh, to deliver the economic value. So we don't do it for fun. We don't do it for just connecting things from connecting. We don't do it for using the data because big data is available and we have uh, a lot of uh, tools and uh, uh, to, to use, uh, but uh, like the cloud computing, like big data, like uh, artificial intelligence, internet of things, even talking robotics, which, which is probably the least of my interest in general, but still important part of digitization. But it must be really the choice of the company. We have to understand that we want to do it and we have to understand why we want to do it, because there are really very tangible benefits behind uh, digital transformation. So, so and, uh, and we really talk even like being demand sensing or the broader topic digital transformation, all the things are about delivering profit and, uh, and the turnover. And, uh, and I think that being in logistics, very often we, uh, we try to speak, uh, you know, output measures that are our output measures, but there are in-process measures for the company. And uh, so I think this is probably for me the key recipe how to do it right. And engage the whole organization, get the leadership alignment and deploy to the organization down to the lowest level so people have it in their DNA and they breathe in, breathe out with the digital transformation uh, topics, you, action planning. Do you think that sometimes, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say this, that it's like digital transformation comes from above as some sort of mandate that you have to do and they don't really take, managers don't end up taking their teams with them on that journey. Um, do you think that that's true? This is true for any big initiative uh, that any company is doing. Uh, because uh, at the end of the day, it can only be done, even if the idea is coming from the top or from the bottom, it doesn't really matter. If this is the idea which is part of the organization strategy, this, org this uh, organization must really make sure that, this, that the whole organization is on the boat. And we have to do like we do selling of the product, of the idea to our customers. We have to do the same selling to the organization because everybody is playing the role. And when, if we talk about strategy, what I started with, the strategy must be on the everybody's agenda. And, uh, and this must be solved. It cannot be just given in the way you have to, and that's it, because uh, the particular digital transformation and in, engaged a lot of people and very often changed the culture of the organizations requires the involvement, requires really the proper engagement of every single individual. And, and uh, you know, there's a stat by McKinsey that uh, I always forget the number that 75 or 70 odd percent of digital transformation projects fail. Uh, I would add to that, that the people that I've spoken with have also said that digital transformation isn't living up to the hype, isn't living up to the expectations they had. Do you think that perhaps maybe the expectations need to be adjusted of, of A, what digital transformation can do for a business, or B, the fact that it's not just, you know, it's not a static thing. Transformation is something that happens over time, you know, forever almost. You're, you're always evolving and transforming. What, what do you think the reason is for that? 
I, you know, same like I, I said before, the, everything starts with the strategy or with the vision. If you have clear vision, what you want to accomplish, so there are different ways to, to get to this uh, desired end goal. And I think that uh, the problem is very often that uh, we are really talking about tactical moves. If this is tactical moves, of course, uh, if with the first failure, everybody is off the boat because everybody is saying, ah, okay, this will never work. I think that if you really set this as the right strategy for the organization and your end goal is saying that, yes, we want to connect end to end uh, in the, all from the consumer, not even customer, through the customer, through the uh, you know, distribution, manufacturing to our suppliers or even suppliers of our suppliers. So of course, this is a journey. And even if you fail in the specific node to make it right, you can still retry and you don't lose uh, people's attention and people's belief that you are on the right track because the failure is only something that gives us the opportunity to learn and maybe redesign it that will even be better than we could anticipate. But the end goal is what really matters. And, and I think the, the, short, the, the smaller the goal and the shorter the horizon, the, the, you know, uh, the vision, which is not really the vision, but rather the tactical objective, uh, you know, that the easier to lose the attention and the commitment from the organization. Can I ask you, where do you think, <clears throat> maybe in your organization or in your experience, um, you've seen things that have failed in terms of implementation of, of this? Is it a change management issue? Is it a personnel issue, a leadership issue? Why, where have you seen examples of things failing? I think that there are a lot of examples. Uh, of course, I don't want to point anything of course, particularly, but, but there are a lot of examples saying that we are really failing because we believe that digital transformation or being demand sensing or any digital, let's say, project that we have, it's all about a technical project. Yeah. This is far more than technical project. And I think that's what we have to understand. We, we don't really, uh, even if we talk about digital twin, we always, look at this like let's model what we do today in the system and let's do it better using all the technologies and new uh, new technologies that we have but this is not true there are a lot of things that are really existing outside of uh, the technical part but there are also a lot of things that are even outside of documented process uh, which is uh, really like the what we what people used to do because uh, of the experience they have because of the because they do these things for years and they believe that's how it should be done. And we literally forget. Uh, so I think this is one. The second probably important thing is in order to do digital transformation right, I, I personally believe, and, uh, and we, we do it very often, and we used to do it uh, in the past. Uh, we had a period that we somehow dropped the ball, uh, but right now we do it, I believe, very well. There, there must be very strong co-ownership on the technical side and on the business side for the, pro the project management. Uh, you must have real experts, you know, you cannot have something that I experienced in the past very often. You have very strong technical expert and you have new hire, new hire on the business side that is playing the project management role from the business. This, is, this will never work. You must have the experts because, you know, the, the technical part will be as good as the business uh, understanding is and uh, otherwise you will only touch things from the surface and you always will have the problem 
And the third, not maybe not only third, but I want to cover just three one, three important points for me. The third one is that uh, the part that I'm talking about, the things that are outside of the technical process or even outside of the process that is documented, these things very often require cultural, cultural change. Yeah. If you have the demand sensing, if you have connectivity with your customer or with your supplier, and uh, this connectivity should work uninterrupted, but by design, people for years were touching the system. The replenishment plan or the supply plan was always touched every second day. So regardless how great your system is, the people will constantly touch the system. Mm -hmm. So, and this is the cultural change that you have to implement. You have to make the proper selling to the people, making them understanding why it is better to do it like this. And very often maybe even changing completely the process. Sometimes you have to change even the people uh, to bring the fresh blood and get people uh, that are doing things right the first time. So the cultural thing is obviously something that really needs to be focused on. Um, the, let's talk about demand sensing. It's something that you're very passionate about. Uh, it, you know, I think it's something we're all still talking about. How important is it to implement a demand sensing type of technology or methodology or even thinking in your organization if you are going to survive disruption, pandemics, uh, uh, you know, the pace of change in the future? Yeah, if you, if you don't mind, because I, I, I like referring to people that are smarter than me. So uh, I, I really like the definition of demand sensing coming from the Journal of Business Forecasting. Uh, so I'm part of this organization for last probably six, seven or eight years, I don't remember. And, uh, and they used to say that demand sensing is the complex data analysis in the structured way to recognize complex patterns and to separate actionable demand signals. And if you look at the definition, you immediately see that, first of all, you implement something which is based on the demand signals, which are critical for you. So you have to really put the things in the structure in the way that you understand which parameters, which signals are critical for your business. And despite the fact that very often we say, okay, you can take million of data points, put it to the right algorithm and get the desired outcome, which is very true. But very often, uh, you know, the simpler the things are, the more powerful they are. If you have, if you have, let's say, if you can, with the current technology, you can implement the algorithm that will use whatever, thousands of different signals, okay? Which is great. But in reality, if you look, if you apply the 80-20 methodology and you see that for the 80% of benefits out of these thousands, you have only five. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm not, I don't want to simply say that the other part is not important, uh, but I'm simply saying that you have to really be very cautious about which is the, what are the parameters that play the most for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, this was the methodology that we used in the past because like when I was doing uh, the promotional uh, forecasting with my team uh, in, the, in our, one of our organizations in the past, so we were literally going uh, every second week, a key account manager by key account manager, customer by customer, but we only had three parameters. Yes, and I'm not saying that I don't want to have thousands, but I only, I only want to say that to deliver significant improvement, you have to really play in the area that you 
clearly understand that this makes the biggest difference. So, and if you turn it into the like supply chain resilience, uh, so you say that first of all, you know really what, re what matters and you can avoid situation that very often happened during COVID-19. You have great system, but when the COVID-19 comes, you, you have great system, you can have great connectivity, you can have great algorithms and so on, but you say they're obsolete right now. The situation changed so much that we have to stop it. So you stop literally doing things that matter is because you are literally lacking understanding of what matters and which parameters requires adjustment in your algorithm. You simply believe that it's better to put everything on hold for two or three months, uh, which could be extreme loss for the organization, instead of literally sitting uh, with the experts and saying, okay, we have to adjust algorithm, mm -hmm. okay? So I think that, you know, that this is the power of, uh, of demand sensing that you simply have the, the data, you have the system, you have algorithms that optimize your supply chain, that gives you the agility that you require to respond quickly, that give you the speed uh, that very often is critical for you to re react to the changes, but you have to use it. You, you have to accept the fact that, that things uh, can be slightly changed to, or adapted. And this is probably the missing part for us, for all of us, uh, as far as this kind of big disruptions like COVID-19 are concerned. We cannot ignore the work that is done. We cannot say it's obsolete because these things are delivering incredible benefits. And, you know, someone said to me that, well, you know, you can't predict the unpredictable. You can't predict these kinds of uh, black swan events, which is true. But you could argue, and maybe we tell me what you think, that having this kind of demand sensing technology just makes you better prepared or more resilient to deal with these kinds of changes that come along the road. What do you think? Uh, definitely, yes. Uh, the demand sensing or whatever connectivity, of course, demand sensing is important element for us because this brings the data uh, closer and uh, together. So we really look at this and we can really react immediately. So uh, you are eliminating bullwhip that maybe sometimes this bullwhip could be particularly from inventory standpoint. And uh, many companies were saying, oh, great, because we are so inefficient. So at the beginning of COVID-19, we can see extra inventory that we can use. But probably two or three or four weeks later, they realized that their inefficiency is killing them. And the benefit that they were quoting is very short term. So I think demand sensing is really making us to, to really see the signals immediately. And the signals could be exactly these uh, elements of these uh, black swan events. Mm -hmm. So I think, and of course, we cannot predict the black swan events, but we can predict that things will go wrong. We can predict that, for example, the suppliers factory will stop for two months, uh, regardless of the reason. Could be earthquake, could be tornado, could be COVID-19, but we can predict it. We can predict that we will have the shortage of the manpower in our factory uh, of the magnitude of 30 or 50% for, I don't know, one week. We can predict it. Does it mean that we will always build contingency against this? Probably not to the full extent, but we can predict it. And demand sensing gives us the opportunity to understand immediately where we are and uh, play with the signals or understanding where we are and uh, anticipating what could happen to really make, to, to be sure that signals are only flying to us, but also we 
uh, have the signals going the other direction, being supplier or being customer, and we can really model this, okay? And even if you play with the safety stock increase for the COVID-19 immediately, you immediately see the result in the system, okay? Instead of spending days thinking what this would really mean, can we afford it? Not only from the money, because very often probably you have to consider extra spend, but for example, from the warehouse space, mm -hmm. okay? You can have money to get extra warehouse, but if you need extra warehouse in one week, probably you will, regardless what money you have, it will be very hard to get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, demand sensing gives us visibility and, gi and gives us the opportunity to do what if scenarios uh, really in the real time manner, which is priceless. Especially now. I mean, you know, especially in the age of disruption that we're in right now, you know, uh, COVID has been an eye opener. I keep talking to people who say to me that it's, um, it's exposed a lot of cracks, a lot of problems within the, the supply chains, many supply chains globally. Um, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think uh, the world is going to look like over the course of the next? I mean, I'm not asking you to make it this grand, you know, <laughs> crystal ball predictions, but what do you think is going to happen over the course of the next year or two in the way that supply chains operate who is going to survive or what types of companies are going to survive what's going to be common about them i think our our life uh, even before was digital uh, and probably not to the extent that we would like to but we knew that it is coming unless yeah. uh, very often we were hesitating to take actions and i'm talking like about the industry i don't talk about any particular uh, particular company so we're very often hesitating because it costs money and very often, uh, as I also said at the beginning, very often we are not um, very clear about what is our vision and also what are our benefits, what are our business benefits, okay? So if you talk about the benefit, which will be uh, whatever effort reduction, which definitely comes, it is important benefit. And it's, uh, it's even the benefit that will bring not only the efficiency improvement, but also some money. But this is not the benefit that the companies will fight for in the first priority. But if you say that you can really come with the inventory reduction, but not only the profit increase, okay? Because you reduce yourself out of stock, you reduce scrap, you reduce remnants, you increase the free cash flow, okay? And you also increase the promotion, uh, your promotions efficiency, okay, with this one. So these are things that you can talk about for the big company could be hundreds of millions of dollars. So uh, while efficiency could be even million in the big organization, but it's still one million. For the smaller organizations, probably the same magnitude. We talk about the scale of probably 50,000 versus scale of, I don't know, 500,000 or one million. And for if, you, if the size of the price is properly understood, uh, and we really know that when we see the link, organization leadership and the whole organization understands the link. I think that, you know, this is the way that we should go. And I, that's probably how the future will look like. I think that COVID-19 make us seeing things in a different perspective because we can see that disruptions that are happening can be far more damaging than we anticipated yeah. because, because we always were looking at the things, even there were huge disasters like the earthquake, uh, like the tornado. But they were more, like they were more localized, local. weren't they? Exactly. They were more, more localized. Exactly. This, is, this is a very rare situation where this is affecting yeah. everyone everywhere with almost without exception. Correct. 
What about the the opportunities that are coming out of uh, COVID? Obviously, this is a terrible situation, and it, it you know we don't want to take away from the fact that there is a lot of you know damage about you know in terms of deaths and and uh, uh, economic destruction of companies, etc. Um, but what are the opportunities for supply chain leaders in uh, a, a pandemic like this? I think that the opportunity is to simply as building on what we said so far to just really engage in the area that uh, very often we were thinking it's, it's important, but uh, maybe we don't have enough resources, not enough uh, leadership alignment, uh, not enough money, and so on. I think that right now, these are the opportunities. Because if you look at digital transformation, digital transformation is the area that will really make businesses grow. And the ones that will do it faster, the ones that we do it, right, uh, will win. Because at the end of the day, you have to be more agile. You have to have business which is resilient. And uh, the immediate visibility of where your supply chain is, an immediate opportunity to, to play what-if scenarios and make the right business decisions, or even more, in the reality demand sensing, should also give us the opportunity to create the future. Okay? So, uh, and this is something that is truly priceless because you don't look at demand sensing as, as uh, you know, in Gartner, it was like the, uh, this, like the descriptive uh, uh, and, and afterwards, you know, predictive and prescriptive. So if you look, if you can really anticipate how you should run the business to de deliver, to change really the right market, how you should run promotions, uh, which elements you should play in the promotion in order to drive the better revenue, the better profit from the, the uh, turn turnover, but also the better profit from the promotions, which by design are coming with the lower profit than the rest of the business. So, and how you can drive the, the business with, with these changes and for the supply chain particularly, how your operating strategy should look like to deliver future goals. Okay, so I, right now for me, it's critical to, to look at the demand sensing and also some, some modeling uh, to understand how we should redesign the operating strategy to deliver the future uh, supply chain. Yeah, so because we, we should really try to influence the future, which uh, this gives us the opportunity. Many companies are still on the first phase. Many are right now on the ability to predict the future based on the past. But I think we should right now, our vision should be clearly to design our supply chain to deliver the market that we want to create in the future. Okay, and we create this market very often, or if not mostly, of course the supply chain is an important part, but probably 80% of the market creation is coming from the commercial team. So that's why this must be company strategy, it must be company's vision and, and the supply chain and uh, tools and uh, demand sensing or digital transformation should help the company to create the future in the way that we want to see it. And of course, in line with our priorities, with our values, like in our case to, uh, to really improve the lives of the consumers. So yes, we don't do things to, to do something uh, illegal or improper, but we do everything in, in the way that we want to improve the lives of our consumers. And of course, we want more and more delighted consumers and more consumers are buying our products. And supply chain has incredible role to play 
with demand sensing and with all the digital tools. Well, I was just going to say about the, the role of the supply chain director now. It's, you know, at, at the beginning of the pandemic and even in the middle, sorry, a couple months ago, everybody was talking about supply chain. Everybody still is talking about supply chain. So do you think that there's a, an, an elevated role for the supply chain director in the company of the future? I, I'm sure I'm sure it is. Uh, I think that probably, particularly in my company, this change is not so visible because uh, because in our case the the digital transformation uh, plan and the and the vision was very clearly part of the company. So we are working on this for a number of years already. Of course, we still develop the different and better ways to approach it, but we still have very clear vision that we want to approach. So. But I, in many companies that I'm working with, and right now I'm working with many suppliers, this is one of, let's say, like half of, of, of my uh, uh, main uh, prospect is to really work also on the digital transformation, particularly on the supplier, uh, on the supplier connectivity. Um, so I can tell you, yes, the, it changes. It really changes big time. And I'm sure that industry already sees this. Uh, and we, we don't talk about supply chain leaders to be all of the sudden leaders of the companies. We talk about the supply chain leaders to play important role in the lead team uh, and in the defining the, the, the strategy, defining the vision and being important player to deliver that. You know, again, going into the opportunities of um, supply chain, or I guess of businesses in the new normal world that we live in, the COVID world, um, the, there's the opportunity to redesign the supply chain, maybe bring in new types of business models, sustainable business models. I know that P&G is looking to become 100% recyclable uh, by the year 2030 or something like that. Do you, do you think that, again, COVID offers the opportunity to uh, to bring in more sustainable business models? I, I think that, uh, I think that definitely yes, uh, because I, I believe that everybody who is uh, seeing things as they are and not pretending that everything, everything is normal while it is not, uh, sees that uh, our future, and it doesn't matter whether we talk about our business, uh, we are talking about, uh, you know, our great personal plans, it's, uh, but simply our future as it is, being or not being, depends on really playing strong in the sustainability and playing together. So I think that uh, th this is so obvious that we cannot neglect it anymore. And uh, PNG right now, the goals that were for 2030, right now we advanced to 2025, uh, just recently. Nevertheless, you know, uh, there are companies, and I don't want to name, and PNG is one of them, it's, it's not the only one, uh, that, that are really playing strong and more important, they are creating the network uh, to really take the actions together. Uh, because, you know, we, we need more than just one company, however big this company could be. So, so I think that, and whatever we do uh, right now should, should really play in this one. And from the supply chain point, chain standpoint, we have an important role to play because and also digitization can help with this one. Of course. Like for example, uh, we, are, we are producing, uh, or let's say our suppliers together with us are producing organic cotton. Okay, but in order, but in order to show to our consumers, we have the uh, organic cotton tracking that you can see uh, using blo uh, blockchain. So, wow. you, so literally you can employ the blockchain 
methodology to just, of course, everybody literally, uh, without the access to, to, to intervene or to change anything, but at least to be as a reader or person that sees this, you can simply show, yes, with our cotton is, is, is really pure and it's really organic, okay? And, and there are many companies, so then, and blockchain is one of the options because it's, uh, it's incredible and very powerful tool to use. Nevertheless, uh, there are some danger, so some danger behind it. That's why it must be closed group of very well-known uh, partners. So basically, the, the, I guess the, the, the pandemic has given us the opportunity to rethink the use of technology in our businesses, the way that we build teams and the business models that we have. Uh, what advice would you give as a, sort of a last question? What advice would you give to supply chain leaders right now that are still trying to, you know, decide how to implement digital transformation, whether or not to implement demand signal uh, or demand sensing technology? What advice would you give to, to your fellow supply chain leaders? I think that uh, probably repeating what we said at the beginning. Uh, first of all, let's start with the vision and strategy. And this must be embedded into companies, uh, companies' strategy. We don't talk about supply chain. This is not supply chain project. And this is company's project and uh, there must be commitment from the whole company. Uh, second thing, understand very clearly, which anyway, probably it's like the prerequisite to point number one, and probably I should start with this one, uh, it's really understanding very, very well, not only what are the costs, but what are the benefits and going outside of the supply chain box. Uh, we are in the company and our role is to deliver profit, is to deliver uh, turnover and to growth of the company as such. So having said that, that's the area we are playing and the benefits behind digitization are in this area. As I said before, there are these benefits, which is not only inventory reduction, which is coming as the obvious thing and effort reduction. There are all the areas that are playing in the in the profit uh, delivery, okay? You reduce, you reduce uh, the losses, you reduce shelf out of stock, uh, which is less ca customers, consumers that are taking uh, competition product, okay? You reduce scrap, which is immediately having impact on, on your profit. You improve overall your free cash flow with all the elements being inventory, uh, being other elements that I mentioned. And more important with the pro promotion of efficiency and also with the uh, prescriptive analytics, you can also uh, create the future. You can give the data to the commercial team to make the promotions more effective, to run the business in the better way, to focus on the right areas, better understanding of the demand is priceless benefit. Uh, and this is not only coming from the future, this is modeling, sorry, of the past, this is modeling of the future. So, you know, I think, first of all, you have to be, this must be company's choice, company's vision, company's strategy. This must be really supported with the data which are going beyond our supply chain understanding. And the third, as we also said, the whole organization must buy into that. We have to really invest in selling. We have to invest very often in the cultural change, which uh, doesn't happen from one day to the other very often doesn't happen from one year to the other. <laughs> it requires investment, but this is conscious choice, okay? Sometimes this would require making the changes in the organization, maybe moving people from one place to the other to come with the fresh, uh, fresh eyes, with the fresh mind in the new area. 
but but you know but that's also what organization must understand yeah so that's probably the very easy and like off the book <laughs> vcp no i think you've given us some some very great uh, insight and some some really good ways for us to try to get success through digital transformation, especially in, in the era of complexity and disruption that we have now. Pavel, I want to thank you for being on the FinTV podcast. I really appreciate you being thank here. Hopefully we will see you again soon in uh, one of our events um, and live in person when, when that to. happens again. <laughs> you take care of yourself and we'll be seeing you soon. For everybody watching on uh, FinTV, thank you so much for uh, tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you very much, Maria.